Yo, Eagles Nation, stand up. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Facts. Oh, yeah. At time of recording, we are officially 24 hours away. From the start of the 2021 NFL Draft, absolutely cannot wait to see what lies ahead over the course of the next 72 hours. 11 picks for the Birds entering this weekend. I'm sure that will change, but as the moment, as it stands right now, we have more picks than anybody in this draft. That's a good thing if Howie wasn't our GM. Regardless, though, more picks. That would be great. <laughs> Thanks, Les. Thanks, Les. This is officially a new tagline for the pod. I'm going to call it Nick Sirianni's favorite podcast. Somebody, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to spam the guy until eventually he finds out that somebody out there loves him, and that is this podcast. Welcome in, by the way, to episode 51. You can follow the show on IG at Grease Pole Podcast. Every episode is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. New episodes drop each and every Monday. This one comes at you on a Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. Hashtag WCW. Uh, no idea how that applies here, but it's a Wendy and Ju- Wednesday. And Justin and I were just talking wrestling before we went on live, so Eric Bischoff was fresh on my mind. Um, we're also going to be coming at you on Friday as well because it's what happens here on the pod on draft week. So before we, before tomorrow, which is the big day, round one, um, I figured it only be appropriate. Did not do this last year as uh, the pod was just kind of getting underway leading up to the 2020 NFL draft. So, you know, only makes sense that, hey, we're here 24 hours before the draft. It's the night before. Let's send you into uh, day one of the draft with a full seven-round Eagles mock draft, right? We'll get into the latest rumors uh, surrounding the birds and, and what's going to happen tomorrow night at the end after we finish all 11 picks. But as of right now, let's go ahead and put the birds on the clock at pick 12. Justin. Can't wait to hear that at least 250 times over the next three days. Jesus Christ, it makes me happy. Um Again, this is all all of these picks are going to be I'm not projecting trades, anything like that. Uh, You know, I'm sure at least one will happen. But we're doing this with all 11 picks that we currently have as uh, as it sits here on Wednesday evening. So with the 12th pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina and. We've talked about him a ton here on the pod, right? So I'm not going to delve too much into, you know, his particulars, film study with him and whatnot. We already know the deal. 6'1", athletic, proactive, you know, great size, obviously physical as fuck. 
nice length, stays glued to the receiver out of a break, battles for the duration of the route. You know, he's one of these guys that does a great job of getting his head around and playing the ball in the air. What a concept. Feels like it's been forever since an Eagles corner has done that. Um, again, downsides. He's, you know, he's going to have to be diligently physical at the NFL level. He can get handsy. He'll draw a PI and a holding call here and there. Inconsistent in the, you know, when it comes to tackling. But a guy with Horn's physicality, uh, you know, it, that can get into the head of opposing receivers, right? You're on an island against another guy. It's it's mano y mano out there, receiver and corner. So that – mental matters in football. You know, it, talent is a huge part of it, absolutely. But this game, in my opinion, bias probably because I played it and coached it, but this is as mental as a game as there is. So he has the exact mental makeup that you would want – for a guy to be out there against another man on an island 100% of the time. So uh, J.C. Horn has kind of progressively become my guy here at this 12th pick as we moved from six back to 12. Um, when the you know we put the big board out uh, toward the end of March, I had him in, in my top 10 as a trade-back candidate. Lo and behold, we traded back. We're at 12 now. J.C. Horn is – you know, if if you give me one choice of a guy that I want at 12, it's J.C. Horn slash Jalen Waddell. And Horn is the pick here because I very much believe that he's more likely to be there at 12 as opposed to Jalen Waddell. So there's that. Nothing would make me happier than starting off the first round, coming away from tomorrow night with J.C. Horn uh, opposite Darius Slay on the outside. So let's move to what's going to be coming on Friday night. Second round, 37th pick in the draft. Let's go with Terrace Marshall Jr., wide receiver out of LSU. And, you know, this is a guy who you would not have expected to fall to day two. And it's still necessarily – it's not exactly a lock that he does, right? But when you look at these receivers outside of the big three, I'm not talking Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, one of these tier two receivers is going to be available at 37. They're just going to be, you know, whether it be Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Kadarius Toney, or, you know, Terrace Marshall Jr. The reason I figure it it could possibly be Marshall is because you've got the recent news of his medical concerns, right? And how he's gambled on second-round value because of medical before, see Sidney Jones. I love that pick at the time. Didn't exactly pan out, and he had a great year in Jacksonville this year because, you know, that's what happens when you leave the birds. You go somewhere else and kill it. But there's a history there of how he taken guys, you know, perceived value in the second round who would have been first rounders that fall because of medical reasons. And it's not a torn ACL like it, it with Marshall the way it was with Sidney Jones. But medical is a big red flag when it comes to these teams. Teams get kind of weirded out by investing a first round pick in somebody that, you know, again, availability is one of the biggest, you know, traits you can have at the NFL level. So I see definitely a possibility where Terrace Marshall Jr. is on the board at 37, and if he is, I think it's way too much of value, especially if J.C. Horn is the pick, uh, you know, in the first round, or if it's a defensive pick, if, if it's a non-receiver pick in the first round and then 37 gets here and you've got a guy like Terrace Marshall Jr. that falls in your lap, that's going to be the pick. That's going to be the pick. You can take any one of these receivers, in my opinion, if they fall Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Kadarius Toney, that's going to be your second-round pick if the 12th overall pick or 
eighth, ninth, tenth, wherever the birds trade up, is not a receiver in the first round. So that's where I'm going in the second round with the 37th overall pick to kick off Friday night. Moving to the third round, a little bit later in Friday night, once you start getting to an even better place, you're tipping them back a little bit more. You're happy, hopefully, with the, you know, the 37th pick that Howie's made. Let's go to the 70th pick in, 70th, excuse me, pick in the draft. Third round. I'm going with Kendrick Green, guard out of Illinois. Absolutely love this guy's game. I, you know, I'm a Penn State fan. I watch a lot of Big Ten football. I love this guy's game. I expect this dude. Uh, to be a day two pick. If for whatever reason he's still on the board on Saturday, it's not going to be for long. It is not going to be for long. He's a three-year starter at Illinois, 6'4", 315 pounds. Green only allowed four sacks in three years. None last year in 2020. Absolutely zero. No sacks allowed. He's got a mean streak in the run game. Explodes off the ball with an excellent get-off. Easily gets to the second level as well. Great hands. Strong hands, great in traffic, stays busy. You know, and this is another thing you hear with guys in the in the draft process. It sounds cliche, but dude doesn't take any plays off. He doesn't. Tremendous athlete, especially for somebody his size. Again, 6'4", 315 pounds. He's got that versatility as well that is incredibly valuable. He's played center and guard. You've got Brandon Brooks's name being floated around in trade rumors. You know, plus he's, you know, been injured as well. So you've got that and you have Jason Kelsey's eventual retirement. So effectively with this pick, what you would do is you would check two boxes. And at the minimum, even if he doesn't play a ton this year, if Brooks still stays around, which I hope does, you've got a tremendous depth piece. This guy, whoever gets Kendrick Green is going to is going to get a monster on the inside of their offensive line. Absolutely love this guy, you know. 70th pick overall if he's there he's a he's a steal at that point in my opinion he could easily be a late second round pick for a team let's go to the uh the 84th pick overall third round and everybody's got their guys if you're a draft guy if you study tape and everything else and you you know you do this type of stuff everybody's got their guys right this next pick is one of mine talked about him on ig before 84th pick, I'm going Benjamin St. Juiced, cornerback out of Minnesota. And what I like about St. Juiced is for what you'd imagine uh, Jonathan Gannon, new defensive coordinator, what you imagine his secondary to look like, St. Juice would be a nice fit if you examine his track record. Gannon's deployed press man coverage uh, in the past. In the perimeter corners he's used in the past are guys that have been about 6-1 or bigger, right? And you can check all those boxes when it comes to St. Juiced. He checks in at 6'3", 200 pounds. This is a guy that, you know, improved his stock tremendously at the Senior Bowl. Tremendously. He led his team uh, in the Senior Bowl in past breakups, came away from the Senior Bowl with as the highest-graded cornerback. That's big. That's a stock riser. That's why he's here. Um, you know, his wingspan, he's got a big wingspan, physical, closing speed. He's got that nice burst. He's a willing tackler. You know, he's got a bunch of traits that make him an intriguing prospect. Now, he is inexperienced a little bit. He declared as an underclassman for the draft. So, more reps are going to be necessary in order for him to elevate his game and his ability to recognize different routes. That's going to be the key for him at the NFL level, just getting more reps. But I like – 
I like his ceiling. I like his ceiling a lot. You know, he'll get beat from time to time, but so does Patrick Sertan, who uh, many people consider to be the best corner in this draft, most pro-ready corner as well in this draft. He very well could be a top-10 pick. St. Juice will get burned as well sometimes, but that happens. All the traits he has, though, you can't coach. And when you when you couple that with his effectiveness as a tackler, I absolutely think he's worth uh, a third round pick. I mean, again, eighty fourth overall, maybe a slight reach in the, in you know the minds of some people, but this is one of my guys, you know. So putting this together, I looked at it like this: okay, we're coming away with J.C. Horn. My thought would be, we clearly need. You need depth at corner, right? Because injuries, and as we've discussed here on the pod before, you can't just have one shutdown corner anymore. You got to have, it's going to be difficult to have, you know, three true shutdown corners, but you need to have one great corner or damn good, which, you know, okay, we've gotten Darius Slay and would have as well in J.C. Horn if he's the pick. So that's two. You need a third one that's that's good to even better. And I think St. Juice could be that. You need you need multiple corners because of the way these teams spread you out on offense now. Every inch of the field gets utilized, spread offense, misdirection, things of that nature. You need nobody's running an eye formation a lot anymore. So you need multiple corners you can throw out there. And I love St. Juice game. He's a guy that I am absolutely hoping that uh, we walk away from this weekend with, whether it be in the, you know, with the 84th pick or if he makes it to this pick, which I don't think he will. Let's move to the Saturday picks. Fourth round, the 123rd overall pick. This is the one we got from Miami when we moved back. We did not have a fourth rounder coming into this draft. We've got it now. This is another one of my guys I've talked about on IG and we talk about, you know, day two, day three guys that aren't the glossy, shiny first rounders that everybody knows about. Here's another one. Jalen Darden, wide receiver out of North Texas. This is one of my favorite guys who's likely to be selected on day three. You look at his size, and again, I'm a guy that's that do not give me Devontae Smith at twelve. Don't do it. Don't do it for fuck's sake. But at this point in the draft. 123rd overall pick at 5'9", 170 pounds. Yeah, Darden's a bit slight, but where you're picking him, he brings a lot to the table for a fourth-round pick. He's a dynamic weapon. This is a guy that would be perfect uh, for the screen game, right, which is something this offense has lacked since fucking Andy Reid was here. You know, Peterson didn't believe in that shit, and that would be an element to this offense that would be crucial. Darden's perfect for it. You see it now. Having that element on your offense helps a lot. Look at Kansas City. You know, Darden's fluid when changing directions. He's got tremendous speed. He's a guy that can go vertical. Uh, you know, he generates those those yak yards that you always hear about, yards after the catch. We love those. And he's a special teams contributor as well. You know, and for all the Justin Jefferson people out there who, you know, with Jefferson being – what he was in his rookie year and him not being the pick and Jalen Rager being the pick instead of Jefferson. Justin Jefferson's a slot guy, and I think Jalen Darden is, you know, he'd be a great fit as a slot receiver, as a featured slot receiver, and I think he could be talented enough in the right situation where he could start immediately, day one, as a featured slot receiver. I like him that much. So coming away with him with the 123rd overall pick again, 
I'm partial. He's one of my favorite guys in this draft. Same with St. Juiced. Really, really hoping we come away with one of them at least. So I'm going Darden with that fourth-round pick. As we move to the fifth round, the 150th overall pick, I got Justin Hilliard, linebacker out of Ohio State. Now, you know, it's easy to to lose sight of Hilliard because he's been under the radar behind Pete Werner, Baron Browning. Guys are going to be off the board by now. Tough Borland, these, these Ohio State linebackers, right? So he's flown a little bit under the radar, but he brings a lot to the table as well, especially at this point in the draft. He attacks downhill against the run. He also has that versatility, can play inside or outside linebacker. He reads and reacts well. He's rarely out of position. Six foot, little undersized, right? Only a one-year starter at, uh, at Ohio State, but he's a guy that can contribute regularly on special teams. He offers potential starter upside. Uh, at this stage in the draft, you know, 150 overall, I'm good with that. If I get a special teams guy, a guy that can fly down and make plays on special teams, and the potential for, you know, starter upside or at least a guy that can rotate in. And, again, you get that versatility outside, inside, outside linebacker. He's able to play both. I'll take it all day at the 150th overall pick. I like it. Sixth round, 189th overall pick. Deontay Smith, offensive tackle out of ECU, two five two represent another guy coming off in his, uh, an impressive showing at the Senior Bowl. He's six five, three hundred and five pounds. Was a three year starter down in Greenville in the two five two. He's got nice fundamentals. He keeps a wide base and square pads. He stays engaged. You know his hands stay busy. His feet keep moving. He's got a nice first punch. He, you know, stays on the attack with a nasty demeanor. Smith comes from a wrestling background, which shows in his playing style. He's a bit of a mauler, which you like to see. He gets to the second level. He'll seal the linebackers away from the play. You know, downside with him, he's missed significant time due to an injury. He plays with a brace on both knees. Not a good sign. You know, he, he tends to lunge a little bit at defenders, so he loses his balance and will end up on his ass. But if he can clean that up, Here's another guy that's versatile, right? Played across the offensive line at the Senior Bowl. He actually looked his best when he was lined up inside at guard, which, you know, for a dude that's as mobile as he is at his size, again, 6'4", 305, that, that's an asset in the run game, right? If you've got a guard that's that big and that mobile, you know, why do you think Brandon Brooks has been so damn good? Having a guy like that, you know, at the bare minimum early on, He's depth along the offensive line, which, you know, last season proved that offensive line depth is sorely needed. So I like Deontay Smith a lot there to kick off the sixth round. We move a bit down the board in the sixth round to the 224th pick. This is a comp pick. This is going to be a fun one. Max Duffy, punter out of Kentucky. A goddamn punter, right? But you look at Duffy, he's a former Ray Guy Award winner. Right, he's Australian, so you know he's got a big leg. He's averaged over 45 yards per attempt in college in Lex in Lexington. Easily flips, flips field position. That's what you need in a punter. That's what we had in Cam Johnston. But he's in Houston now. That dude was great. I loved Cam Johnston. Huge for a punter. Right, that dude would fly down the field and tackle you. You didn't have to worry. You know, a lot of times you worry on a return. Right? Ah, uh, shit. The punter's the only guy left. Cam Johnson would tackle dudes. 
big guy, right? Big arms, you could see, had a big leg. So does Duffy. I like Duffy a lot. He Again, he can flip the field position on you in your favor, which is what you need from a punter. The downside with Duffy is he's 28 years old. So, eh, a little older than you'd want, I guess. But again, at the end of the day, he's a punter. So you're not – this is not – this isn't a Brandon Whedon situation where you're drafting a 27, 28-year-old quarterback in the first round. You're getting a punter. Dude doesn't take a lot of beating, right? Yeah, his leg's going to wear out over time. But you figure you're getting, you know. I mean, Donnie Longball was around for years, right? We love him. We love Donnie Longball. If you can get seven, eight years out of Duffy with a six-round pick, it's a win. And I absolutely think you can. I love Max Duffy. You know, again, punter is one of those things you don't realize that you need until you need one, and we officially do now with Cam Johnson in Houston. I like Max Duffy. That's why I grabbed him at 224. This is a fun spot in the draft if everything stays the same. Back-to-back picks right back on the clock at the 225th pick overall, another compensatory pick. I'm going Frank Darby, wide receiver out of Arizona State. And – Darby's interesting. He's primarily been a deep ball guy. He consistently averaged over 20-plus yards per catch down in Tempe. You know, because of this, he was a touchdown machine. He tied Brandon Ayuk for the Sun Devil lead in receiving touchdowns in 2019. You know how I feel about Brandon Ayuk. Absolutely loved him last year, more than most people uh, in the draft. Loved him, and he killed it in San Francisco, you know, this past year. Uh, Darby had a great week of practice leading up to the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, he came up with a big catch from Arkansas's Felipe Franks. That was his only catch of the game at the Senior Bowl, but it was still something he showed up. You like to see it. He can struggle a little bit when he's forced to make catches away from his body. He didn't have to run the full route tree at Arizona State. So, and it's nice because, again, as a deep ball guy, vertical can stretch the field. Those deep routes do open up the underneath routes, but. You like to see Darby have to, you know, he's going to have to develop as a route runner, learn the rest of the route tree, and I think he'll be good. And either way, if not, if you get a, a kind of one-dimensional, one-trick pony at, at the 225th pick, Seattle got one of DK Metcalf in the second round a few years ago. That's the guy that everybody bitches that Howie didn't take over J.J.R. Sick of Whiteside. You can get one here at the 225th pick. I'm not calling Frank Darby DK Metcalf, but at the end of the day, huh? One just doesn't look like a transformer without a shirt, right? One wasn't a meme that that circulated all over all over the internet a couple years ago. It, it, you know, worst case scenario, he's a rotational receiver that can step in effectively. You know, here and there, he makes the receiver room better. He's a hard worker. If you can get those things at this stage in the draft, I'll take it as a win. And let's face it, we need receivers. There's no risk here at this point taking a guy like Frank Darby in the sixth round. We move to the seventh and final round of the draft with the 234th overall pick, Teron Jackson, edge rusher out of Coastal Carolina. Love that teal turf. Coastal Carolina was one of those fun stories of this uh, wonky-ass college football season we had this past year thoroughly enjoyed watching them Penn State kind of sucked so they became like my side team I was having an affair on Penn State with uh with the Chanticleers so I'm dipping down there now uh to bring in Teron Jackson with 234th pick and he's a guy that has nice get off he uses good leverage uses his hands well keeps his feet moving you know he's a high character guy 
one of those dudes that's, you know, great in a locker room, right? Underrated, you know, but for anyone that's played or coached or been around the game, that shit matters, man. And it culture, it would be nice to get back to where the culture in this team was decent, you know, where it doesn't feel like shit. Guys like Teron Jackson, well, you know, it may be in a small way, but they contribute in that manner. He's not the flashiest athlete. He didn't exactly wow when he appeared at the Senior Bowl, but he's a guy that will serve as a rotational edge rusher, and I'm fine with that. I am totally fine with that. You get a guy like that in the seventh round, eh, it's a win, right? You know how you know, the Eagles like to rotate those defensive linemen, keep them fresh. Now, I don't know if that's going to continue under Jonathan Gannon or not, but it does not help to have depth on the edge along the defensive line at all. I like Teron Jackson at this stage late in the draft. That's why I took him with the 234th pick. With our 11th and final pick, number 240 in the draft, I got Tariq Thompson, safety out of San Diego State here. And, you know, the Aztecs have – they've low-key had a solid defense the last few years, and Thompson might be the most talented guy of the bunch. You know, he brings versatility on that back end again. You heard that, that word a lot. It's important – this time of year when you're separating, when you're splitting hairs between draft prospects, especially this late in the draft, if you can get a versatile guy, which Thompson is, he's played shallow zone coverage, deep zone. He's played man coverage from the nickel position. So he brings versatility on that back end. He understands his responsibility. He's not in the wrong spot. You don't find him out of place very often. He's a smooth and instinctive athlete. Uh, he doesn't make a lot of noise as a tackler. He isn't overly physical. But, again, at this point, 240 in the draft, you're a few away from Mr. Irrelevant. I'll take that versatility and coverage. You know what I mean? It's absolutely worth it, in my opinion. So, you know, that's that's the way I kind of see this draft going. Again, at least position-wise, I kind of tried to round out the needs as much as possible while also going best player available in spots, in my opinion. Um you know, again, so let's see. There, you know, you got a corner in J.C. Horn, receiver in Terrace Marshall, uh, guard in Kendrick Green, another corner in the first four picks in Benjamin St. Juice, another receiver as well in the fourth round in Jalen Darden, linebackers taken care of in the fifth round with Justin Hilliard, another offensive lineman, a punter, yay, we love those, receiver, edge rusher, and safety. So you come away with three receivers and two corners. I mean – Look, at the end of the day, I'm not none of the this is not going to be the exact draft, right? This is why it's a mock draft, people. So um it, you know, but what I what I wanted to do with this was highlight the positions that I thought should be emphasized, highlight some players that I like a lot. Um, you know, again, JC Horn, guys like that, Terrace Marshall are obvious. Uh Kendrick Green, I love. If you watch the tape on him, again, as a Big Ten guy, I he jumps out to me immediately. Same with Benjamin St. Juice, Jalen Darden from a smaller school in North Texas. But you love his game and what he brings to the table if you watch tape on him. I, I mean, I would be, if we're in a weird parallel universe where this is the exact draft, I'd be, you know, totally fine with it. I mean, fucking, of course I would because I put the shit together. But you know, at the end of the day, man, I mean, it, it, you come away with all the need positions kind of handled for the most part, which is what you, what you want out of a draft. You come away from good talent, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it, it, at every pick in the draft, whether it be a depth piece or not. Again, at the end of the day, people, not every draft pick is a home run. Not every draft pick's a Hall of Famer, right? But you do everything you can to increase your odds of each pick being at least a, a rotational guy, right? If you can get... 
from a draft class, if you can get you a couple starters, maybe a gunner on special teams, a rotational receiver, or an edge rusher, uh, you know, a guy, if you can get a guy in the fifth or sixth round that stays on your team for, you know, four or five years, it's it's a success. So, you know, that's how I see this draft unfolding. At the end of the day, I'm not in Howie's head. Fucking God knows if I was, shit would be a lot different. And I think the majority of the fan base would probably feel that way. But that's uh, that's my full seven-round Eagles mock. Uh, all 11 picks, again, I think at the end of the day, maybe we move up a little bit. Maybe we move back a little bit. We end up with a few less. Maybe we end up with a few more. I'll say this. This is not a great draft to end up with a lot of picks on the back end. So if, you, <clears throat> if you're looking at moving up a couple picks – early on and you want to throw a team you know uh, uh some of these late round picks throw them a fifth round or you know two sixes or whatever not a bad year to do it not a bad year to do it you know it's it's a good it's a damn good draft class it's going to be an interesting draft for sure but the back end of it is a little lean so yeah i mean i guess you could say that about every draft class but point being if you can package those two six rounders or two of them you know maybe a six and a five if you want to move up uh, ahead of Dallas and the Giants if you really, really want to take a corner and maybe you want to offer Denver or whoever's sitting there at nine if Denver doesn't move up. Maybe it's Atlanta. Maybe Denver and Atlanta swap. And you want to leapfrog them to take your choice of corner. Then if you throw in some of those picks on the back end, I'm okay with it. It's a win. But I'm not okay with giving up the ones and twos that you've acquired through trading the quarterback that you fucking guaranteed $109 million for. You keep those. Right, but if you can do it, like in two thousand nine, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Jeremy Macklin, you know, we traded up from I think twenty one to nineteen, and uh, with Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have it in front of me, but I think we moved up from twenty one to nineteen with Cleveland, uh, and just tacked on like an extra six rounder or something like that. That's a win. That's a win. If you're just giving up a six rounder, or even you throw them in, ah, we'll throw you our fifth rounder too. Fuck it, right? At the end of the day, you want to have as many picks as you can in the first four rounds of this draft. And if you can do that, it's a win. If you part ways with the majority of those picks on the back end, I'm okay with it. 100% okay with it. So let's get before we get out of here because this is the last uh, episode prior to the draft. When we're here again, when the next episode drops, we will know what Howie did at number 12. So before we get out of here... Let's touch on the rumors, the latest rumors, uh, hot off the press, if you will, in terms of what Howie Roseman is thinking at 12. Goddamn, it's smokescreen season. You got to love it because there is so much out here to get to. Let's go ahead and touch on it real quick before we send you out of here. Justin, can you hit me with the draft sound one more time? Because why the hell not? I had to try to hold my cough until afterwards because you never want to blaspheme and interrupt the draft jingle. So the latest rumors again, and this is this is so this is so this time of year. The things that are out there now. Howie Roseman, the Eagles, love Patrick Sertan the second. They love Quiddy Pay, edge rusher out of Michigan. Sal Palantonio this morning. The Eagles are zeroed in on Devontae Smith. And now the latest rumor out there is, well, maybe they trade up for Jalen Waddell. Spoiler alert, at least three of these things aren't going to fucking happen, right? It's just simple, and I'm not math guy, but uh, 
all four of these things are literally impossible. So at least three of these are full of shit. And that's why I think you got to come away from a lot of these rumors going, eh, you know, you take them with a, you know, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. This is what you get from any and everybody this time of year. This is not just Howie exclusive. I think Howie's probably, you know, we talked about him before, you know, Howie doesn't like the fact that it for him has been a relatively quiet off season. You know, I think he's probably jealous that uh, our guy Sirianni stealing all the headlines from him, you know, playing rock, paper, scissors with Les Bowen, you know? So, man. And then the onion. <laughs> that would be great. We love you, Les. We love you more, Nick. <laughs> but at the end of the day, so he's jealous that that's happening. I would think I'm not in his head, but I, Jesus Christ, it doesn't take a psychologist to read this motherfucker. Uh, it's been quiet for him. So at the end of the day, I think he's probably more inclined to trade up than anything. It, it, there's not going to be a trade back. I don't think um, I would, if I were him, I would rather trade back than trade up. Maybe you can get another first who, you know, I'm not their GM though. So look, first things first, quitty pay. If we pick quitty pay, no disrespect to the guy. Again, I'm a big 10 guy. He played for Michigan, um, you know, as a Penn state fan, fuck the Wolverines, but I respect quitty pay. His story off the field is fucking amazing. You can't help but root for people like that, right? But at the end of the day, no disrespect to him, and I wish him the best wherever he goes, unless it's the Cowboys. I don't want Quiddy Pay with the twelfth pick, and it's it's not. This is not a draft where you can where Howie can think he's the smartest guy in the room. It's just not. He's clearly he's proven that he is not that. As a matter of fact, so you cannot come away from this twelfth pick with an edge rusher when you still have a Brandon Graham, when you still have Derek Barnett, when you have Josh Sweat, who was a great pick. Josh Sweat was a fourth rounder. And for a fourth rounder, the returns you've got on Josh Sweat have been damn good. So Brandon Graham is older, doesn't have a lot of time left, love the guy, fucking legend, but – you worry about edge rusher next year, right? You picked up Derek Barnett's fifth-year option. You, you worry about that next year. This isn't the year to get cute. You worry about that next year when you got, hopefully, potentially, three first-rounders. And you can play a little bit if you want, right? You can't do that this year. You can't do that this year. Plain and simple. Don't overthink the room. You take either, you know, I'm good with an offensive lineman, I'm good with a corner, and I'm good with a receiver. Those are all shit we need. We do not need an edge rusher as it sits here right now. This team is not good enough to where you can go best player available. Best player available is for teams like Tampa, in Kansas City, in Baltimore. Not not us. Not the fucking Eagles, okay? And it's one thing if the best player available is a position of need as well, which teams always oh. Doesn't matter who they pick. He was the best top-rated guy on our board at this point in the draft. We loved him. Yeah, okay. Do not give me quitty pay. If it's quitty pay, I can't promise you we'll have an episode on Friday because I may be locked up. I'm going to freak the fuck out if it's quitty pay. No disrespect to him. Same with Devontae Smith. 
I've gone about, uh, gone over it here in time again on the pod, and I'm not going to waste a ton of time on it. I know I've carved out the niche here of being the only Eagles fan in the world that does not want the guy that is human tumbleweed. They weighed this dude, and he's 166 pounds. The fuck is that going to do? I'm all for watching tape, okay? And again, Jalen Darden, not, you know, kind of slight as well. If Devontae Smith, if you take him in the second round, third round, and you plug him into the slot, I get the talent levels are different. The Devontae Smith is more talented than Jalen Darden. That's why he won the Heisman. I get it. But I am not taking a guy at 12 overall, let alone moving up for him. For a dude that looks that small in, in, in pads, I'm not doing it. And Eagles fans, I know he's your guy. If you're it, it, The majority of Eagles fans within the sound of my voice are dying for Devontae Smith. If he's the pick, if he's the pick, and Buddy doesn't make it out of his rookie contract, you heard it here first. I'm just saying 166 pounds is not – that's not holding up in the NFL. Do not give me that shit at number 12. You better not move up for him. Point blank. Come away from this draft with a corner. If you can get Jalen Waddle, you know, I like Jalen Waddle. No, he's not massive either. But you get a bit of a different skill set with Jalen Waddle than you do Devontae Smith. So that's why I give the edge to Jalen Waddle. I think my best case scenario is that, you know, we we see all these quarterbacks, a bunch of them go super high ahead of us. And now when Dallas and the Giants are on the clock, they have dilemmas. Hopefully it's not easy for them to go corner, corner, right? You want to see a Micah Parsons there at 10. You want to see a Devontae Smith or a Jalen Waddle still there. Maybe an offensive lineman too. That's what you want to see. Although, again, on the flip side, you can say if an offensive lineman, Panay Sewell, if he falls, how he could try and move up. And if it's for Panay Sewell, I'm all for it. But I think you're hoping – for the Cowboys and the Giants to not have easy picks at the end of the day. Because if they do, I don't think it's very good for us. I don't. And I hope to God the next time you and I talk, it is not with Devontae Smith wearing midnight green. I hope to God. What are your thoughts? How do you hope everything looks 24 hours from now? Hit me up at Greasepole Podcast. On IG, I'm also on Twitter as well, at Grease Pole Pod, if you're so inclined to hit me there. Whatever your preference is, I prefer IG, but I'll be on Twitter eventually whenever I can remember that I have one. It's not very often. So IG is preferred on my end. Who do you prefer tomorrow night on Thursday night? Let me know. Hit me up on IG, at Grease Pole Podcast. Absolutely looking forward to being back here. Uh, you know, Friday before second and third round start Friday evening, we'll chop it up about you know, who, what ends up happening tomorrow night if I'm not locked up, if I haven't committed arson or lit myself on fire for that matter. We'll discuss who's still on the board going into rounds two and three, how we want to look uh, coming away from night two. 
The draft is officially here. My favorite weekend every year. I cannot wait to look and see how everything looks and how we look as a team coming out of this weekend. I'll see you on Friday as always. Go Birds. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Go Birds. Go Birds. Ah, 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 that would be great.